Welcome to Heard at Heritage. Heard at Heritage features cutting-edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement, as well as premier events and programming from the Heritage Foundation here in the heart of Washington, D.C., brought straight to you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our program, Paraguayan President Santiago Peña on bolstering partnerships in the Western Hemisphere. Please welcome Derek Morgan, Executive Vice President of the Heritage Foundation. Thank you very much. Thank you all for being here. Uh, welcome to our audience both here uh, in the Allison Auditorium and also our online audience. Uh, from across the country and around the world. We are uh, really excited to have you here. I am Derek Morgan, Executive Vice President of the Heritage Foundation, and it's my pleasure to open today's event and welcome our distinguished guest, the President of Paraguay, Santiago Pina. I would like to thank uh, Carlos Diaz Rocio and the Adam Smith Center for Economic Freedom at Florida International University for partnering with us to make today's event possible. We've invited President Pina to join us to share his perspective on the bilateral relationship between the United States and Paraguay and the pressing challenges and opportunities in the Western Hemisphere. Paraguay is a critical partner for the United States for facing shared threats, including the presence of China, Iranian proxy Hezbollah, and transnational drug traffickers. Paraguay's impact in the international arena also stretches far beyond the Western Hemisphere. Paraguay is a critical uh, diplomatic partner for free and de democratic Taiwan, with both countries having established diplomatic relations that date back to 1957. Paraguay's actions echo in the Middle East as well, where President Pina has announced that his government will move its embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Such courageous action is essential, particularly in the wake of the recent horrific attacks on Israel by Hamas. President Pena took office as the 52nd president of Paraguay on August 15th of this year, making him the youngest president in the country's democratic history. President Pena won election with an ideologically conservative platform, promising to protect life from the moment of conception, to create jobs by cutting bureaucracy, and to work with the United States and partners to confront threats to hemispheric security. With his victory, President Pena bucked a regional trend that over the past two years has seen, unfortunately, numerous leftists come to power across Latin America. Their radical agendas are sowing discord and instability in contrast to President Pena. Unfortunately, the Biden administration has not embraced the hemisphere's conservative leaders seeking to partner with the United States. Too often, the administration prefers to push controversial social agendas on conservative nations and seems to pay more attention to anti-American leaders. We look forward to the day when U.S. leadership once again offers positive engagement to our friends and willing partners. President Pena joins us today in Washington as a foreign leader, but he is no stranger to the United States and indeed to this city. He completed his graduate studies at Columbia University in 2003 and spent several years right here in Washington, D.C. working at the IMF. Since then, he has seen a meteoric rise, serving on the board at the Central Bank of Paraguay, then finance minister, and now president. We at Heritage have appreciated working with President Pena for many years in these capacities, and we know that he's a great supporter of economic freedom. 
He's been a true friend to our index of economic freedom over the years as well. And we are now beyond pleased to welcome him to Heritage as the president of Paraguay. One note is after his remarks, uh, Dr. Victoria Coates and President Pena will have a fireside chat to explore today uh, some of the issues that are presented uh, in more depth. Victoria, as many of you know, has a long track record at the highest levels of US government and is the vice president of our Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy. With that, please join me in welcoming President Santiago Pena. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's such a pleasure to be back uh, at the Heta Foundation. It's so great to, to see so many familiar faces that welcome me. Every time I come to, to Washington, uh, I would like to particularly thank uh, Anthony Kim, someone who has been uh, researching, uh, analyzing, visiting Paraguay for the Heta Foundation for many, many years, and, and someone who has been a, a uh, a voice for Paraguay, uh, a country that for many, many years has been an island surrounded by land, a country isolated from the rest of the world. Uh, we're living uh, on chartered waters. Uh, turbulent waters are dominating many of the conflicts around the world. The recent events between Hamas and Israel, these horrible uh, terrorist uh, attacks from Hamas to Israel, the long-standing conflict between Ukraine and Russia, and of course, commercial wars around the world that are affecting uh, all of the countries uh, around the world. So I think uh, these events are a great opportunity to tell a little bit about the history of Paraguay and why Paraguay uh, is in a way an answer for many of the problems that the world is uh, experiencing these times. Paraguay, uh, a nation that was founded on the roots of uh, friendship. Uh, 500 years ago, almost 500 years ago, when the first conquerors arrived to the southern part of Latin America, they got to where is today the capital, Asunción, Puerto Nuestra Señora Asunción. They settled there because they found a very friendly indigenous community, the Warnes. So they settled there, and from Asunción, they decided to launch the expedition to found 70 cities. So Asunción is known as the mother of all cities. It was friendship, it was openness, it was that um, uh, attitude that made Paraguay the center for the development in Latin America. Over the centuries, many of the expeditions that came from Europe, they were settling in Latin America. They were settling in the part where Paraguay it is. The mission, the Jesuit missions that came to Latin America, they settled mostly in the region where is known today Paraguay. So by 1850, Paraguay already gained independence. It was the first country to gain independence before Argentina, before Uruguay, before Brazil. Uh, it was a very advanced view in terms of independence and again, freedom. When the continent was talking about freedom from Europe, from Spain, Paraguay wanted to be free before the rest because the idea was let's create uh, a government that will include all of them. And Paraguay said, it was young Paraguayans who said that we wanted to be free in 1811. For that reason, since then, uh, the region from time to time has been a bit hostile uh, to Paraguay. In 1850, 1850, Paraguay was the most advanced economy in Latin America. And the advancement of Paraguay came because of the people. 
the people was the driving force for the development of Paraguay. So we invested in human capital, we eradicated analphabetism, we were sending Paraguayans abroad and we were bringing people to train Paraguayans in Paraguay. And that situation, that process of development was one of the sources of the conflicts. In 1864, Argentina, Brazil and Uruguay signed a secret treaty to eliminate Paraguay from the face of the earth. War, the invasion, the invasion of our neighbors into Paraguay wanted to erase Paraguay from the face of the earth. They couldn't, but they damaged Paraguay development. During a six year war, they took 60% of our territory and they killed 90% of the male population, nine, zero. So it was a true Holocaust, something that really destroyed the potential that Paraguay was accumulated at that time. Over the course of the following decades, and over the last 150 years, Paraguay has been in this slowly process of recovering. And I think that now, when we are seeing this conflict between Russia and Ukraine, and I have been very clear about this during me, my inaugural speech uh, on August 15, Paraguay is a friend of the international community. Paraguay is a friend of Russia. But on this conflict, we cannot remain silent because what is happening with Ukraine is exactly the same that happened to Paraguay 150 years ago. The larger country inviting the smaller country. And this has enormous consequences. So peace should return to that part of the world. Over the next couple of decades, Paraguay was an open grave. We suffered from not having the capacity to build institutions because at the beginning of the 19th century, the 20th century, uh, more exactly between 1880 and 1920, during the period of 40 years, Latin America received the largest inflow of immigrants in the history of humankind. And it's estimated that around 80 million Europeans arrived to Latin America. Those immigrants were the ones who brought knowledge about engineering, architecture, medicine, and sciences. But they also brought knowledge about institutions, an Anglo-Saxon concept that was completely unknown in our part of the world. So Paraguay couldn't develop the type of institutions that other nations were building at the beginning of that century. In 1954, after 50 years of political instability, a military government took office in Paraguay and began the longest dictatorship in the history of Latin America, of South America, sorry. 35 years, the government of Alfredo Stroessner broke the cycle's instability, but seriously damaged in other ways the development of Paraguay, mostly on human rights and education, investment in education. So when today Paraguay says that 35 years of democracy, and we are celebrating the longest period of democracy in the history of Paraguay, and we can compare those 35 years with the previous 35 years of dictatorship, we can suggest and we can prove that the results are astonishing better. That democracy, despite its imperfection, is always a better system than the lack of democracy and dictatorship. So Paraguay is today the symbol of democracy in Latin America. And we are more than happy to share this and to raise our voice on the conflicts that are happening in Nicaragua, on the conflicts that are happening in Venezuela, and many other parts of our region that we have decided that democracy is the best political system. So I think that these are 
the greatest challenges that our society and our generation are facing. Democracy is at risk. Polarization, post-truth. And most of the time, this uh, idea that divided, are, we are better. We are never better if we are divided. We need to unite and we need to raise our voice. And Paraguay, for many people, might be a small country, but in geography, it's larger than Germany. A country which has a huge potential, a country that is leading the, ener the energy transition, the energy, the green economy. Paraguay, 100% of the electricity that has been used comes from hydropower, clean, renewable energy. We only use 20% uh, of our electricity. We export 80% to the rest of the countries, making Paraguay the largest exporter of clean, renewable energy in the world. And we are ready to continue to expand, to lead the same way that Paraguay lead the process of development in Latin America in 1850. Now, we see the glass half full because that process that derailed the development of Paraguay gave us the chance to do it again and do it right. With all the knowledge that we know, with all the experience that we have accumulated, with all the information that we have accumulated that many of the progress in production, industrial development in many of our countries came at the cost of putting in jeopardy our environment, now Paraguay can do it right. And Paraguay can lead again the growth of the region by doing it in a way that is sustainable and using the democracy as the main tool so people remain free and able to develop themselves as they wish. So I really appreciate um, sharing the, a little bit the, the view that we have in Paraguay, a country that has consolidated not only democratic institutions, but also economic institutions. This year, uh, despite some of the multilateral institutions put Paraguay as the number two country uh, with the higher rates of growth, my projection is that we're going to be number one. Paraguay is going to grow above 5% this year, and it's projected that we will sustain this in the coming years. Uh, it has um, an economy that works um, free of restrictions, uh, an independent central bank that manages a floating exchange rate. But because of the strong fundamentals, we have maintained uh, despite the volatility in certain periods of time, but we have today the same exchange rate that we had 20 years ago. And this is reflection of the strength of the currency, a currency that this year, 2023, obtained 80 years since its creation. It's one of the longest, together with the Colombian peso, the oldest currency in South America, in a region that has been dominated by hyperinflation, a region that has been nominated, dominated by instability, Paraguay has remained as the most stable country in, in South America and an economy that is thrilling and willing that the young population that we have in the region, with Paraguay being the youngest population among all the nations in South America, this could be uh, a light in the, in the path for the development of the future generations. Thank you very much, and I now would love to answer many of the questions that you have. Thank you. Mr. President, thank you very much uh, for that view of Paraguay, and uh, it is a great pleasure to welcome you and your distinguished delegation to the Heritage Foundation, welcome you back. Uh, something of a homecoming, and we're delighted to embark on this new journey with you so soon after your inauguration. 
starting with uh, Taiwan, Paraguay is the only country in South America to maintain diplomatic relations with Taiwan over communist China. Uh, back in July, you said there are solid foundations and concrete facts that support why it makes more sense to have a relationship with Taiwan than with mainland China. Can you expand on that and tell us about uh, how your relations with, with Taiwan have benefited both countries and what do you see in the future for the relationship? Paraguay is a small country and very open. Uh, so international trade is key for us. We, we depend on international trade. Uh, Paraguay is today uh, one of the big names on food production. Mm -hmm. We are already. We are the third largest exporter of uh, soy in the world. We are the eighth largest exporter of beef in the world. We have the third largest fleet of barges in the world. So Paraguay is a powerhouse in food production. But since um, the, the book that was written by Adam Smith, The Wealth of Nations, we haven't seen one single country that went through uh, low income to high income without going through a process of industrialization. Mm -hmm. So food production is good. We are good at it, and we will continue to uh, uh, producing uh, food. But Paraguay have a vision for the next decade that we need to create human capital that will generate value-added production, technology, innovation. So we think that following a model of a country similar to Paraguay, which is a relatively small country next to a very large country, makes much more sense than just selling uh, commodities and raw materials. So we think that, and, and this is based on a model. We have studied this. This is not only, that's why I always said that our relation, of course, is based on values. We, we truly believe in, in our relation with Taiwan, but there are also solid fundamentals, uh, economic fundamentals that allow us to say that if we follow the path of education, human capital, innovation, technology, the, the path for the development of Paraguay get us closer to Taiwan. Um, we will continue doing business with China. We, we do business with China, but it's not the model. Uh, on the other side, and this is more of my own personal experience, uh, I, I had the chance to go in my early 20s uh, to Taiwan. I, I witnessed firsthand the process, how they were able to develop their nation despite all the difficulties and the hardship. Uh, I also had the chance, while working for the International Monetary Fund uh, and working in the African department, to travel around Af Africa and seeing the, the impact and the influence of China in countries that have weak institutions, countries that are abundant in natural resources, but uh, they need to develop. So that's not the type. And I think uh, last but not least, I think that the experience in Latin America, among all the countries that left their relation with Taiwan and they went to China because they thought that they would solve all the problems, and that's not the truth. Uh, and this is the case of uh, Costa Rica, this is the case of Panama, this is the case of Ecuador. Uh, and I'm sure it will be the case of, of uh, Guatemala, which mm -hmm. I think is, is the, la the, the latest uh, country. So uh, I, I think that there is a, a, a lack of understanding uh, what are the potentials that China offers and what are the potentials that, China, that Taiwan offers to, to many of the countries. So, uh, the, and this is built, of course, on top 
of a fundamental view that is a, a common value on democracy and freedom. Excellent. And following up on that, uh, maybe putting on your finance minister hat again, uh, as, as you know from our good friend Anthony Kim, uh, you have some upward mobility in the index of, of economic strength, so a lot of potential for improvement of your score. What steps are you planning to take to liberate the economy of, of Paraguay, as you say, you know, into this industrialization uh, sort of phase? And is there anything we can do here at the Heritage Foundation to assist? Uh, absolutely, yes, on the later. There, there are so many things that we could do. Paraguay needs uh, the collaboration from a, a, an honest broker, because I always say that it's, it's very important to have someone from the outside to really assess where are the gaps. I, I think that there is no doubt that Paraguay have um, the, the view to have an open economy, a market economy, while the public sector concentrate in those areas that are a, a main responsibility, and I mean educate, public education, public health, and, and security as the main uh, public goods that we need to, to deliver to, to the population. So the, the economy has been growing, and this has been done thanks to a pro-market uh, measures. For example, I, I always say that one of the things that Paraguay did that a lot of countries talk about, but they, they are not willing to do it, is to reduce taxes. Mm -hmm. um, we did, and, and this is based on a, an economic concept de defined by Laffer, the Laffer curve. When you move to the left of the curve, uh, revenues will go up. Well, this happened in Paraguay in 20, uh, 2004. Paraguay reduced taxes from 30% to 10%. And the economy start to grow, and taxes start to be collected. So this is something that has been working. So there are areas and there are gaps that we still uh, there's a lot of work to do, um, particularly on the relation with uh, the private sector. So that's why one of the measures that I did is to uh, invite someone from the private sector to become minister of industry and commerce. So from the side of the public, from the pri private sector to work on all these measures, the red tape that we need to eliminate, procedures, uh, a lot of things that uh, they were doing little harm, but little plus mm -hmm. little plus little is doing a lot of harm. One of the measures that, that we did, uh, and one of the beauty of the, the election of past April is that I also got um, a majority in both chambers of, of, of Congress. So this has been of great support in delivering many of the promises that we said. One of them is eliminating um, uh, some of the taxes and tariffs that we're still collecting. One of them was related to TASA um, uh, consular uh, tariff, something that we were collecting for trade uh, at the different offices, consular offices around the world. This is something that most of the countries had eliminated. There were only two countries uh, that still were collecting this consular tariff, it was Paraguay and Egypt. So we eliminated this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and this is part of the measures that we are trying to uh, make the, the, the free of trade easier, the doing business easier, because we think we are truly convinced that the best social policy that we could implement is uh, generation of jobs, creation of jobs. Excellent. Well, we look forward to continuing to collaborate on that, on that progress. Uh, Moving on to Israel, which unfortunately has been much in the news in the last couple of weeks uh, for the most horrific of, of reasons, it seems to me concerningly that the Israel issue is becoming very politicized in uh, Latin America. And uh, we were very concerned by President Petro of Colombia's comments likening 
the Israelis to Nazis. Uh, so very much putting the blame on Israel, sentiments that were echoed, I think, quite shamefully by the Secretary General of the United Nations yesterday. Uh, by contrast, you have announced your very strong support for Israel. We applaud your decision to move your embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. You might have noticed we did that a couple of years ago, and the skies didn't fall. And so we think that is, is a very courageous, uh, courageous step to take and a very necessary t step to take right now. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what drove that decision? Sure. Uh, Paraguay have um, a long-standing relation, a very close relation with the state of Israel. In fact, the 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 vote of Paraguay at the UN was a critical vote uh, for the creation of the state of Israel. So since then, uh, we we have developed a very close relation, and of course. Uh, we cannot deny that Paraguayan society is a, is a quite conservative society. Family plays a very important role. Uh, our constitutions uh, defend life since its inception, and this is something that if today we're subject to a vote, probably 98% of the population would say that it's against abortion, right? So uh, in, in that regard, uh, we are mostly a Catholic uh, population. Uh, so this brings, uh, uh, create a bond that is very close to, to Israel. So this is uh, an issue that uh, was part of the political campaign. I, I went to Israel during the, the campaign. I met with then member of parliament, uh, Netanyahu. And, and I said that Paraguay is committed in continue to be next to, to Israel as we have been for, for decades. Uh, and of course, uh, we criticize a lot the, the political measures that the government in 2018 in Paraguay took to move back the embassy. And they did it only for political uh, reasons. And it made a lot of damage to our relation. There is a lot of collaboration and cooperation, mostly on research and education. So um, I announced immediately that we're going to uh, bring the, the embassy back to Jerusalem. And, and of course, this is also creating uh, all sorts of synergies and collaboration uh, together with, with Israel. So this is something that uh, is not subject to, to negotiation. It's something that we are uh, we feel very, very convinced. I, I spoke with President Herzog uh, after the attack, and, and we condemned this. In the region where, and you mentioned one of the countries, uh, there are other countries in the region that they take a, a, a also a neutral stance, and I, and I said to many of them, we cannot be neutral. Things need to be named by its name. This is terrorism. This is not a conflict on land or territory. This is pure and blunt terrorism, and we need to uh, blame, we need to name this uh, properly. So uh, I, I'm convinced that Paraguay will continue, as I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, we have a moral obligation. There are so many things that Paraguay went through. We have a history of endurance, of hardship. Uh, so we need to be next to those countries that share our own values and are facing also these also this injustices. Well, thank you. Thank you for your clarity on that. Thank you. And as, as a follow-up, uh, you know, the, the conflict in the Middle East can seem very distant to a lot of Americans. But we're very curious to know how you might have seen some pernicious Iranian influence in Latin America, particularly uh, the activities of Hezbollah, who have tapped into illicit uh, streams of, of funding through the drug trade. 
uh, what kind of threat that poses to Paraguay and, and what kind of threat you think it poses to the United States? Yeah, we, we are concerned. This is an issue that we have been raising constantly. Um, I, I, I think that there are two areas. One is deregulation uh, with Iran, and we have in our neighbor country, Bolivia, they signed an agreement with Iran. We don't know what are the, the extension of that, but uh, it creates a lot of uh, concern in, in the region. And then uh, is the, the issue of um, transnational uh, crimes, uh, and this is mostly uh, drug trafficking. Uh, Paraguay is not a, a drug producer, but it has become recently more uh, a, a path mm -hmm. for drug going from South America to Europe. Um, yeah, in fact, uh, after many, many events in where the cargos were only identified in Europe, but the information said that it was coming from Paraguay, uh, this week, we found three tons of uh, cocaine that was prepared to be shipped uh, to Europe. Uh, so this was uh, uh, among the first times that Paraguay discovered, thanks to the intelligence that we are doing now and the strengthening of the intelligence uh, agencies. So this is something that we are uh, decided to do it, but we need to do it in collaboration with other countries. And the U.S., uh, I think, must play a, a more important role for, from time to time. Uh, we have been always very good friends, but sometimes it feels that uh, it's getting very cold. The relation is very, very cold. And, and I think that one of the main problems for Paraguay is that Paraguay is not a problem, right? So, uh, <laughs> a squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah, so, but we need to, we need to uh, continue to raise our voice and outreach. And this is part of what I have been doing this week, uh, talking to members of Congress on both sides of the aisle. Uh, about how important Paraguay and why Paraguay matters so much, not only for Paraguay itself, but as an equilibrium for the region. Excellent. And in your previous answer, you, you touched on the sort of conservative nature of, of Paraguay, which is perhaps why we're here at the Heritage Foundation today. Um, <clears throat> you know, we strongly share those values. And one of the things we've been very concerned about in terms of our international relationships under our, <clears throat> our current leadership is the what we've seen is a very sort of forward-leaning push on uh, some much more liberal, what we call woke policies that are being advocated for, particularly by the State Department uh, on issues of gender in particular, uh, abortion, things that are obviously not uh, consistent with, with Paraguay's values. How, how challenging has that been for you I mean, in your first weeks as president to sort of navigate the diplomatic space when this appears to be such a priority for the administration? I think it was more evident during the campaign. Uh, and, and we saw and it was perceived uh, as Paraguay being a problem for the international community. Uh, the fact that Paraguay is the only country in South America that abortion is prohibited in the Constitution uh, and the marriage is only allowed between a man and a woman. Uh, and this is conceived in the Constitution. So uh, this was uh, perceived as uh, that there should be a change. Mm -hmm. And that change will come because of the change of the party. Uh, because uh, the fact is that the Colorado Party has been uh, a cornerstone for this defense, which is, I mean, remember, this is a party that have 55% of all the electorals registered on the party. So it's a large majority of the population uh, that is identified with these uh, conservative values, right? So this, uh, I have to uh, acknowledge that it was a boost 
for the election. I, I won for the largest margin on the history of Paraguay, majority in both chambers of, of Congress, uh, and 15 out of the 17 governors uh, belong to the Colorado Party. But sparked uh, uh, something that did not exist in the past, that is this anti-American sentiment because of this perceived uh, influence or willingness. So this is something that uh, we don't like it, uh, I don't like it, and, and I think that uh, for, for centuries, Paraguay has been a great friend of the U.S., and, and our friendship has been always with American people, not with one party. But that uh, relation uh, clashed with the strong fact that it was only a American Republican president who received a Paraguayan president, period. Only Republican president received a Paraguayan president. So uh, some things are perceptions, some things are hard numbers. Mm -hmm. So we need to navigate. That's why uh, I don't want to blame on nobody. I want to do my part, and my part is coming to Washington, engaging with the political community, with the business community, with think tanks, and explaining why Paraguay matters so much on, on this relation, why Paraguay is probably the only stop for the influence of China in the region, uh, a, a region that is becoming sometimes very vulnerable to the influence for these external actors. Well, we envy you your majorities in Congress. You might have noticed we don't have <laughs> that luxury at the moment. It's created some dysfunction over on Capitol Hill. But uh, turning to the more positive aspects of the U.S.-Paraguay uh, relationship and you know, what, what heritage can do to support that, you know, we've had a lot of talk, particularly in the post-pandemic period, about homeshoring or friendshoring, uh, uh, supply chains, other industries. And uh, it's one thing that seems to me a massive advantage to the United States to have the historic relationships that we do with Latin America and to be able to, you know, d once we handle our immediate security issue with our, our southern border, to turn this into, you know, a, a much, much more positive relationship. And what do you see uh, as, as the sort of key industries that Paraguay might be interested in participating in that activity? And uh, <clears throat> what other opportunities do you ha see for the United States to play that more positive? role? Uh, I think that the options are, are enormous, huge. Um, I think that one of the advantages of Paraguay is that Paraguay offers a platform. Mm -hmm. It's not that Paraguay is good in one sector, but Paraguay offers a platform uh, of um, a stable, uh, democratic, and economic environment. This is the most stable environment in, in Latin America. Uh, uh, policies that are pro-business, we have decided that the best social policy is job creation, and, and all the legal framework and the public policy are, uh, in a way, looking for the job creation, uh, improving human capital, innovation, education. Uh, of course, Paraguay have uh, some particular advantages. Um, a country that is larger than Germany, with almost 90% of the territory uh, with fertile land, uh, we have decided that we're going to develop the country, but we're going to be very mindful about the environment. So this need to find a balance between the two of them. We are sitting on, on top of the largest sweet water aquifer in the world, the, the Wani Aquifer. 
So Paraguay have this strategic assets that makes a lot of sense for a world that is increasing in the population, but not only increasing in the population, but increasing in the amount of protein that the world is consuming. Uh, and there are not many parts of the world that will be able to feed its population and feed other parts of the world. Paraguay is one of the few in the world. Uh, and of course, geography uh, is proving to be a great advantage. For many years, we thought that being landlocked is, is uh, a disadvantage. But today, uh, being landlocked, but being in the middle of South America, in the middle of the waterway that connects five countries, it, it makes a, a, a lot of sense that Paraguay will be the hub, the logistics hub uh, for the region. The other element that is contributing to this centrality on logistics is that the shortest way to connect the Pacific to Atlantic is through a bioceanic highway that we are building in Paraguay. So this is already happening. Half of it is already done. The other half is being constructed and it's going to be finished in two years. So most of the, the most productive part of Brazil, which is Mato Grosso do Sur, where the grains and the beef is produced, uh, they are more landlocked than Paraguay. So for them to get to the uh, markets in Asia, it makes all the sense to go through the middle of Paraguay. So this also creates a, a lot of uh, opportunities. And of course, in this green transition, the availability of cleanable energy and this development of new technology, for example, the clean hydrogen mm -hmm. is something that Paraguay also will play a, a major role. This idea of onshoring or nearshoring is already happening in Paraguay. For many years, the U.S. was the largest foreign direct investor in Paraguay, but it's not anymore. Now it's Brazil. And this is part of a, a strategy that we went to Brazil and we said, we don't want to move jobs from Sao Paulo to Paraguay. We want to bring jobs from Asia to this part of the region. So it was Brazilian business uh, people who came to Paraguay to put factories, uh, auto parts, textiles, plastic products, uh, and you name it, that, that from zero to $1 billion per year. This is what happened over the last seven, four, eight years. So we think that this is going to ha uh, happen more. This is what we have been showing to, to the U.S. Why is it so important? Uh, but again, sometimes we, we talk, but we don't communicate. Uh, so <laughs> we need to get better how we communicate uh, the message. Well, and I have a bad habit of driving things back to the Middle East, uh, but we recently signed an interesting agreement with Bahrain that could be a model uh, for both the logistics hub and, and some, other, some other development. Uh, I think I have time for one more question. So I think I'd like to ask you about some regional politics. You just mentioned Brazil. Obviously, your politics and uh, President Silva's politics are not exactly on the same page, yet you have a productive relationship. So I'd like to hear about that. And in addition, uh, your other neighbor, Argentina, is going through some political turmoil at the moment. Uh, we had been very encouraged by, by your election, and it seemed a bright spot amongst some, some darker ones, but very curious to know how you see the situation with Malay and uh, Argentina playing out. First of all, uh, the relation with Brazil, I think it represents uh, what we think should be the, the type of relation that we should have in Latin America and, and among the world in turn. Uh, we come from different backgrounds with President Lula. We, we come from different generations. 
but we have decided not to look backward, but to look forward. Uh, and we both uh, agreed that we don't need to agree on all, but we agree that we need to be respectful, that um, we should work together on those things that we actually agree. We agree on integration. We agree that uh, regional, a greater regional trade is good for everybody. Uh, so uh, I think this is something that we are both committed. We are trying to join others in, in, this, in this idea. For many, many years, uh, Latin America uh, foreign policy has been dominated, dominated by ideology. And this has done a lot of harm to our relations. So we need to move from this uh, and, and try to uh, move forward on, on those things that we, we agree. And again, I think that uh, trade integration is something that makes a, a, a lot of sense. In the case of Argentina, this is, this is sad. Um, it was the fifth largest, the richest country in the world in 1920. Mm -hmm. and, and since then, it have a, a roller coaster for, for Argentina. Uh, I suffer more closer. My mother, she is from Argentina. So uh, I have um, also a, a, a close bond with, with, the, with the country. Uh, I, I see problems around uh, going forward. I don't think that the problems will be solved uh, with one way or the other on the election. I think that the problems are deeper. Um, they, they need to uh, make a serious adjustment. They cannot continue to spend the amount of money that they are spending, period. This is, uh, this is basics, mm -hmm. right? So for, for too long, um, for too many years, they have been spending beyond their means. And this is uh, paying a, a huge price for the most vulnerable people. We know that inflation uh, is the, the, most, the most unjust tax. Uh, <laughs> so this is making uh, a very big problem for the society. So uh, I think that, again, uh, they, they, will, they will need to fix. And I will be more than happy to work whoever is elected and try to use all my, my persuasion to, to try to align uh, the, the interests of Argentina with the interests of the other countries in Mercosur. We are part of this uh, treaty and, and we are working and hoping to advance in a free trade agreement with the European Union for more than 25 years. So uh, I think these are the topics that we need to find the common ground uh, with them, right? Uh, of course, uh, Millet, it causes a lot of the attention of many people, but uh, we need to sustain the things that we said. I campaign against populism, uh, and, and populism is not good, either the right or the left. When you tell people that you're going to just solve all, everything, uh, and, and you know that's not possible, right? Uh, it's, it takes a lot of hard, hard, hard job, uh, difficult decisions, and uh, you need to prove what, what you're going to do. Well, and do you want to get out a crystal ball and tell us how the election's going to go as a politician? Uh, my, my, <laughs> ta my take is that there will be a continuation. Okay. Well, thank you, uh, President Pena. It's been a great pleasure to have you have you here. Uh, hopefully, this is just the opening of a, of a much much broader conversation between your administration and the Heritage Foundation, and we really look forward to strengthening and developing the relationship to the benefit of both of us. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to come back. So I hope to be back uh, every time I come to Washington. We, we would enjoy that. And uh, if you all can remain seated until the president and his party have departed and the doors open up in the back, that would be fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.